0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome to Rock Pop Rambles. I'm your host Angela Martin from the band Bug Eye and joining me this week is also Paula Snow from the band Bug Eye. Hello, how are you? Hello, my job. Yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. I feel Just, like it's um, been a
1: long time since we've been doing this together.
0: I know. I know. But, that you know, because we, we kind of um, all try to, well, say we all try to, I'm kind of always hanging out on the podcast. but um, In your little but, yeah, cupboard. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> well, you know, alternating between three other band members, it's going to be a bit of a while, isn't it? But yeah, it does does feel like ages since since we last did a podcast together.
1: Here we are. How the devil have you been?
0: I'm all right. I'm okay. Um, just, it still feels a bit like Groundhog Day. I'm trying to sort of be positive about lockdown measures are going to end mm-hmm. one day. <laughs> but um, I say every week, it's is, It's is just Groundhog Day, isn't it, really? It's, uh, but it is what it is. It is what it is, eh? It was pouring with rain today and... I wouldn't have gone out so you know it's uh, I just go for I I I have been going for runs again which is which is good for me. Good on I you. I took the bins out today. I thought that was like achievement unlocked. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. Well I I've, I've combined two things now because everyone knows that I've I've since lockdown I've got into house porn which is uh, not me watching Porn home. It's me just going on Bright Move and like okay. property websites. You've not got an at- OnlyFans
1: account or something like that now.
0: <laughs> no, 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 no. no. Um, yeah, so me and Julia have just been like, going, should we move? And then just looking at ridiculous houses. And so now, um, which which kind of makes me feel a bit weird actually saying this, but so I've been going on my runs and I've been running past the houses we've been looking at and just checking out all the streets and stuff like that that could but, be a little um, bit
1: sinister well
0: <laughs> if if you were actually buying a house you come on you would go and check out the area right so yeah fair enough i've fair just enough. i've just been running i mean there are only like places around the corner from us and and stuff like that so um yeah but um that's i it's yeah i need to get out I need lockdown to end Because this is what I'm turning into Do
1: you think I could use the excuse of I'm emigrating to go and check out Some other areas abroad And have an actual holiday maybe um, I don't think you'd get away with that <laughs> Okay well. Or you could do it Just don't tell
0: anyone Just don't confess That's what you're actually doing
1: uh, It's not going to happen anytime soon is it
0: No Although I did I did book um, oh, It's in the UK Like a cheeky little break for, for kind of in july which hope hopefully i mean as boris said everything is gonna end lockdown will end 21st of june don't really care about anything not that he said that but um but yeah if everything goes to plan then hopefully we'll be out completely of restrictions but yeah it's just like a uk holiday nice. where are you thing. off to it would just be down to sort of like the south south coast. We're gonna be staying in Rye, actually. Yeah, in Rye, where I used to go for holidays as a child. Reliving your youth. Yeah, so we can go to Canberra Sands and uh, and places like that. You know, I mean I'm dead excited about the prospect of being able to do that. But yes, I did select and pay extra for cancellation and getting a refund. So, you know, protection in case, you never know.
1: She's got everything crossed over there.
0: Got to, man. Got to. This this stuff's been going on for way too long, way too long. But we hopefully got some really... Well, we do have exciting news because this podcast will have gone out by the time this bad boy is announced. Not only are we playing Loud Women Fest in September but we do have another gig to talk about we do Mm -hmm. Paula do you know which gig I'm talking about as I as I kind of just try and get some time to get the details up I think I do but I'm gonna let you
1: announce it because you're obviously chuffed about it yeah no no, I'm dead I'm dead impressed right okay is it going to be the second time you go to the south coast ish it it is. It is Ooh. two weekends
0: in a row, right? So this we're going to be playing Jam on the Farm Volume One, um, which yeah, it's uh, we'll be playing there on the do 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 thirtieth and thirty first of July. I think we're playing on the Saturday, actually. <gasps> so it's going to be my birthday. Yeah. So it should be should be super super cool. So we're dead we're dead excited about about that. So um, yeah, it's a festival. It's it's outside, and um, BBC introducing the South will also be um, at the festival with a stage. So um, other bands on the bill, you've got Salvation Jane, Velvet Hands, Novus. Our good selves, of course, the Institutes, um, Healthy Junkies, Hot Wax, Winona Beach, um who else, who else, who else? Tiger Mimic, The Resna. So yeah, it should be should be quite good. I mean, basically it seems to be the sort of the kick out the jams, if you know that promoter, sort of the a number of bands are kind of in with that with that promoter, really. So uh yeah.
1: I think it's gonna be a party to make up for the lacquer parties this it, year. Well this year, is, last year.
0: It is indeed. And it's one of those those things where it's like, couldn't really care where we are on the bill, just be nice to hang out at a festival yeah. and actually catch up with because we know so many of those bands, just to actually catch up and have like a massive party with loads of people we you know. <laughs> okay, so today's theme is animals. Um yes. We probably are scraping the barrel with this, but I quite like the themed episodes. And why not? Well, because I think you kind of then get to pick an artist or a song, and you keep it really snappy, choppy, and just find a few cool facts. Um, yeah, I quite like. I
1: quite like those ones. I've actually got quite a sad fact about one of mine.
0: Well, I've got some. I've I've got some bloody random stuff is what I've got. But I have to say, um, Charles Manson. Is going to reappear on the show again. Well, not actually reappear on the show again, but... That would be terrifying. ...again. He's the name that just keeps popping up again and again and again. But, um, yeah, with with one of the, the songs I'm going to be talking about. So uh, we have new music as well this week. We've got three tracks to play. One from Crosswires, which is Death of Dreamland. We've got Scarlet's new one, Wrong Way. And we've got... Um, Band we haven't actually played before on the show. Um, They're called Blue Statue and we'll be playing their song, so to speak. Exciting times. (gasps) It's an action packed show. So, So, should we crack on then? Serious. Let me look at my little scrambled, scrambled, scribbled uh, running order. So, I think think we said I would kick off today. Go ahead. Go ahead. Seeing I'm just, I'm just basically hogging all the airtime at the moment chatting away anyway um, <laughs> so rude <laughs>
1: yeah pop down Paul you talk too much um, and- <laughs> <laughs> you can see how it is in band rehearsals can't you listeners <laughs> I just I know your corner out. and stay in it <laughs>
0: I just need to get out of lockdown. I'm turning into, you know, like you have the little old lady, you sit at the bus stop, you wanna, you've want you got your headphones in and, and someone just starts talking to you and you're just like, oh, please, I just want some peace and quiet. I've turned into that little old lady at the bus stop that bothers people just chatting away.
1: Before your time.
0: Be- way before my time. Um, yeah, that's what lockdown's done to me. Anyway, so kicking off, I'm going to talk about um, the Kinks song Ape Man. Do you know that one? Paula,
1: I don't believe I'm that an I
0: do. Man, I'm an oh man. yeah, yeah, I
1: do, I do, I do. Yep, yeah,
0: there you go. The Kinks, yep, band that um were from North London. Um, Ray Davis came from a massive family, one of eight siblings, five younger sisters and two brothers. So um, apparently they didn't get on. So uh, that's that wasn't actually written on my notes, and I've got to not deviate from my notes. With all those siblings, um, how
1: can you not get on with one of them? Well, it was I in mean, a something. you get but... on with one of them.
0: So, Ape Man... Alongside many other songs from the Lola vs. Power Man album, it was written by Ray Davis during a family trip to Cornwall in July 1970. In the song, Davis is fed up with the modern world and declares that he wants to sail away to a distant shore and make like an ape man. He also expresses how man created our problems and given half a chance, he would leave cities and traffic and go and live in the jungle. Um... So interestingly, you know, taking note of uh, the environment and things like that back then mm-hmm. uh, and climate change is featured later on in this show. So I won't go on about it now. Um, the Kinks caused some controversy. Again, as we know, they've done that in the past with another song, um, because in the line, the air pollution is fogging up my eyes. The word a fogging sounded too much like a "fuck fucking basically. Really? Um, The way they sang it, yeah On the original, like the band's previous single Lola, where Ray Davis had to change Coca-Cola to Cherry Cola He again had to fly back To London to re-record His line, dubbing over with more Sort of clarity A fogging um, Prior to the single's release, because um, It wouldn't be released in the US Because they thought he said a fucking He hadn't learned his lesson
1: previously then (laughs)
0: No, well, I mean that's that's what they thought he was singing. So he was for oh, fuck's sake, they're just taking the piss now. Um, but obviously, didn't say that in a song. But um, yeah, so facts I did not know about the Kinks. Um, did you know that Ray Davis had an affair with Chrissy Hynde? No, and they had a daughter together. I did not know that at all. No, I didn't know that. I mean, I don't know that we need to know that really. But um, but also Ray Davis. Went to, Ray Davies even, went to um, Croydon School of Art.
1: I think I did know that. I think you've told me that. I did
0: know that, yeah. So, Croydon alumni. There you go. Um, Now, why do you think they're called the Kinks? Where did they get the name from? Do you know?
1: Something to do with hair.
0: Something to do with hair. At least you have a good guess, right? Kerry, listen to this show. Paula at least tries. (laughs) Kerry just goes, I don't know. Well, She'll stay silent for a while and I have to edit all that out. Um, and then it starts, no, nah. so you're telling me I got the answer wrong. No, you did get the answer wrong, but I think you get a point <laughs> for at least trying. You know, I should keep a tally score of the band of you know who gets who's who's a team player who gets involved. So I get
1: half a point for a wrong answer, but for trying.
0: <laughs> uh, the kinks is based on the word kinky, which they heard on the TV show, um, The
1: Avengers. See, I thought that was too obvious. <laughs> Were you really gonna say that? No. I mean, yeah, I mean that's the obvious answer, isn't it? It's something to do with kinkiness.
0: Well well yeah, but I thought you meant as in you knew about the Avengers and said, like, oh. Bloody hell, you're down with your knowledge on the kinks.
1: God
2: knows <laughs> Um
0: Ray Davies' sister died the day he turned thirteen. Um she gave him his first guitar um that year as a birthday present. Oh. I don't know what she died of but or how old she how much older she was still was sad up. but that was a sad yeah, oh I should I should have started with that fact so I ended on it, it was a sad note but I just want to say you proud that was my bit on the kinks well done you yeah listen to that song people because I really do think um it's a great tune um really really love the kinks Don't just stop it all day and all of the night You know, there's much, much better songs than that But I'm sure you already know that So,
1: over to you, Snow So, here I am I'm talking about the questionable animal Which is a dove In When Doves Cry um, so I've gone totally pop tastic for this episode, and I'm talking about two of my favourite pop tunes from either end of the eighties, and how can I talk about eighties pop without talking about Prince? And for me, when Doves Cry is one brilliant tune. Uh, can I tell
0: you? Um, sorry, just, just can I just tell you my devastating fact about Prince? Go on. Um, I was given VIP tickets to see him do a show at um, Shepherd's Bush Empire, mm-hmm. right? And for some reason, me and Julie were just like, "Oh, we can't go." And so we gave the tickets to to a friend. Um, Hello. And then he 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 died, didn't he? After that, um, Mate. I don't know if it was like a year after, or so. It wasn't that long after. I was like, "Oh my god!" I just I just thought, oh, wait, I know he's going to be touring again. We'll go see him." It's that thing when you just get given freebies, things you just don't appreciate what you have. No, you don't. You don't. I would never say no to a gig ever again. Um,
1: anyway. <laughs> After the 12 months God. we've just had, I don't think you're going to be the only one, to be honest. <laughs> Sorry, anyway, back on. to When Doves Cry. So it was written about his on-off girlfriend and fiance, uh, Susan Moonsey, who is part of a group called Variety Six that Prince decided he wanted to start mentoring. Like He got this idea that he wanted to mentor a girl group. Allegedly, after watching, oh, what's that film? There was a remake recently, A Star is Born. Okay. But the Barbara Streisand version. And yeah, so he became interested in kind of getting together a girl group. There were some questionables around it. Like he wanted them to dress up in lingerie and sing seductive Songs. They were about 18 at the time. I'm not quite sure how old he was, but I'd hope if this happens in this day and age that, you know, some mm. eyebrows at least would be raised, if not some serious questions. Anyway, yeah. he was dating this girl, Susan. Uh, they eventually split up, and Prince became involved with a lead singer called Variety. When doves cry, like doves have a lot of sort of symbolism, I guess. In the world Like peace Love Harmony So for me When I first mm-hmm. heard, like, Think of the title In Doves Cry It's quite sad But if you look more In sort of symbolic meanings Of Doves Crying yeah. It only means That something bad Is turning into something good So I think oh. he saw Coming out of this relationship With her As a positive thing For them both It was composed For a specific scene Within Purple Rain And he was given this task With like no time at all There was like a A gap Where they needed some music And he was told You have to write it So he wrote the song In one mm-hmm. day he recorded God. it and mixed it in three days and played every single instrument and every single note on it himself.
0: God, that skills, isn't
1: it? I know, he's mad. that's like, such a cracking song. Incomplete artistic awesomeness or maybe sheer control freakness. He also directed the video for it.
0: Bloody hell.
1: I mean, when did this man have time to sleep? Well, was
0: when your life's music. I'm sure he wasn't getting up and going to work at... Um, bleep! Won't say where. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, he was also super involved in the mixing of it and he got totally frustrated with it. At one point, he just turned down the bulk of all the faders, leaving just the synths, drums, and guitars there. There was no bass when he'd done this. Like, he'd recorded a bass line for it. And when they played it live, mm. his touring musicians just like made up their own bass line for it. But when you think of like an 80s pop record, that's quite avant garde. Yeah. I mean, there's always like huge boom basses in 80s pop music. Yeah. And Prince totally recognised this He said nobody would have the balls to do this You just watch They'll be freaking out to this And what he kind of resulted Is an almost sort of like minimalistic Eerie sort of mm. Sound to the single I think With one journalist saying it ex- expresses a sense of profound regret and loss However yeah. he clearly knew what he was doing When Dove's Cry stayed at number one for five weeks Keeping Dancing in the Dark by Bruce Springsteen Off the number one spot And at one point Prince was number one in the singles charts, the albums charts, and also the film charts with Purple Rain, which I think is just like a that's, phenomenal achievement. That's like gold, isn't it? Really, that's like triple gold.
0: <laughs> triple gold. Well, of course it's triple. No, but I'm just. I mean, you know, the 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 fact is, having a number one in any kind mm. of way, shape, or form in any of
1: those categories would would be great. But all three at the same time, fucking hell. You'd Some be... going and to have had that amount of creative input into it as well. I mean, it it turns him into one of the biggest international stars of the decade, Yeah, Um, you know, and kind of like launched him into the world with his own brand of sort of, he's described as genre defying. And I think that is quite a fair um, way of describing his work because he is phenomenal. Yep. No,
0: he's absolutely incredible. Um, I mean, you know, not just, not just for writing his own music, but as a producer and a a writer for other people as Mm. well. Absolutely incredible. Totally. The, and the sort of volume of, of work that he sort of churned out during his time is, you know... Amazing. I, th- I think he's he's probably one of the greatest artists um, of our our time, if that makes, David makes sense. David bowie yes, yeah. Yeah.
1: And this is the sad part. He also owns two doves that once he died, they both stopped cooing. And they would only oh. start singing when his music was played. And I thought that was oh, so no. like... Oh. <laughs>
0: That's so sad or Do you not? think that's true though?
1: Yeah, I think it is true Because one of them's been in Paisley Park's mansion Until recently when she died in February And apparently you could go and visit her
0: Oh, how long do doves
1: live typically? I mean, I've no idea how long doves, doves live for I think they're 20 years maybe 20 years? Oh my god, we've got to Google this 20 years
0: and that was me thinking Because like, little robins only live like Is it a year or two years? Really? Yeah, yeah. Really, really short life. This is obviously very interesting for for people listening. But um, yeah, they don't live very long at all. Doves, 20 years. That is a guess. Crikey, Mikey. Um, Well, I'm going to talk about um, Arlo Park's um, song, Black Dog. Um, Yeah, so do you know that one? I do Arlo Parks is absolute genius Um, Black Dog is song by British singer and poet Arlo Parks From her debut studio album Collapsed in Sunbeams That came out in 2021, which is this year Named after Winston Churchill's term for depression um, And if you didn't know, um, not the album Obviously, the title of the song is named after uh, Winston Churchill's term for depression, just to make that clear. I did not know was Winston
1: Churchill that coined that term. I mean, I've heard it.
0: Uh, no, no. Well, I'll tell you a little bit mm. about it. So Winston suffered from a chronic disorder consisting of repetitive periods of depression followed by periods of sort of normal or slightly elevated mood. He referred to them as his black dog, um, polarizing an old um, phrase that described the mood disorder. The term refers to the medieval association of a black dog with the devil, basically. And it was used by the 18th century English writer Samuel Johnson in a letter to a friend, which I'll sort of quote. It says, what will you do to keep away the black dog that worries you at home? So it's it's kind of an 18th century mm-hmm. old term. Um, yeah. So I, I thought that was quite a cool, a cool fact. But um, Arlo Parks' song focuses on mental health, especially during the sort of COVID nineteen lockdown. Black Dog was Parks' first song to make sort of mainstream radio airplay in the UK, um, and it was it landed on the sort of A list on BBC Radio One's playlist in July twenty twenty mm-hmm. last year. Um, and how she was sort of discovered was she kept uploading her music to um, BBC, introducing um, and, and for fans are listening. I'm sure you know that you can do this, but this just shows that people do listen. And a DJ picked up on it, sent it to a music friend, who then ended up managing Arlo Parks. So you know, people do listen to the music on 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 um, on BBC uploader. So do make sure that you you do it because it's obviously a great a great platform. So yeah. Anyway, so Black Dog. Um, enemies ranked that as the fourth best song of 2020 and I don't disagree with that and I actually have to thank Kerry for introducing me to Arlo Parks. Uh, I think she mentioned her on the podcast, and I was like, who? And I'd heard the song but not made the connection Mm -hmm. and then went and checked out her stuff. And, uh, yeah, absolutely amazing. Um, Anyway, so the lyrics came from fragments of conversations that Parks had had with her friend. The first, she says, um, the first time I played it live, she was there in the front row looking at me. It was so intense she so it brought us closer together to experience that song and the reaction to it. It was something I wrote for her and about us and in homage to this difficult time in our friendship. And tragically, um, the the friend that she's talking about um, actually died by suicide. Oh, I didn't um, know that. Yeah. But yeah, that, that's quite sad. But do check out Black Dog by Arlo Parks. Check it out. Really great. Listen to the debut album. Really highly recommend
1: it. Yeah, I'd say that's probably one, be one of the albums of twenty twenty one.
0: Well, I think it's going to be a long standing classic. Mm-hmm. To be I honest, I think it's one of those those standout albums. So it'd be great to see what she she does she does yeah. next. Um, okay. I think we should cheer things up a little bit. I've got the information about doves. You've got the information? You looked up the information about doves. Yeah. Oh, all right. Okay. Well, before new
1: music then, I need to know, how long do they live? On average, three years. Oh. (laughs) Although the record is 17. So I wasn't a million miles off with 20.
0: Okay. Um, Okay. Are we sure it's the same doves? Do you reckon that basically it's a tourist attraction? People go to visit the doves every morning. Someone checks on them. It's like, oh shit, that one's died. Get another dove. Get another dove. No,
1: because it's officially been announced as being dead. They got bored with replacing the doves. I reckon these were Gucci doves, though. They belonged to Prince. They probably had a bit like a longer lifespan.
0: <laughs> Sorry for saying Gucci doves. I thought yeah. for a second that there was a range of doves.
1: That <laughs> yeah, Gucci manufactured by breeding. Gucci for all, like, pop stars to buy.
0: <laughs> it's, it's the trend. Everyone has to have a dove all sitting right. on their shoulder. <laughs> right, okay, let's listen to some new music before I just go down some ridiculous path. I think the we're going to start off with Scarlet. We um, played Scarlet on the show before. They're good friends of ours, um, but also a fantastic band. Um, and this is their latest single, Wrong Way. that was scarlet with the song wrong way and in case you've missed it from previous shows scarlet are a four-piece kind of female-led grunge pop rock band i suppose you could say and they're kind of hailing from sort of the northwest of of england um, a band that's that's on the up every every time they put something out they get a little bit higher up the musical ladder We should say they've played a variety of festivals, Kendall Calling, Sound City, um, Secret Garden Party, and loads more. Um, Yeah, they're definitely, definitely a band to watch, and I'm sure they're going to be doing some fantastic stuff this year if if gigs are allowed. So do go and check them out. I'll put links in all the socials for that. I kind of think that song... It's kind of really big sort of rock anthem stuff they're doing at the moment, isn't it? Oh, it's massive you know sounding. I, mean? I
1: feel like they just get bigger and better and like more, in, maybe in your face isn't the right word, but just bolder, I think, with each release yeah. that they do.
0: Yeah, I think I think it's kind of, my speaker's going to explode on their next single. They're so <laughs> just getting louder and louder and fatter sounding. But um, yeah, no, I really, really love them. So do check them out. So... On the show today We've been talking About songs With animals In the title Um Because we couldn't Think of anything else To do Quite frankly Uh So we've got a few more To talk about Um I think Let me have a look At my notes But I think Did did we agree Are you kicking off With one or am I I can't remember Go for it Yours seems to be
1: Going quicker than mine
0: All right. this, This one's slightly longer Than the Than the last One Um and this is uh, I picked. I picked. How could I not pick this one? I'm going to do "Bat Out of Hell" by Meatloaf. Classic. When I, my dad um, was a bit of a Meatloaf fan, well, my dad was into loads of stuff and loads of records. Um, but Meatloaf "Bat Out of Hell" was one of them, and I loved it as a little kid. I absolutely loved it, and I actually went to see. Um, Meatloaf and Blondie play together at some motor show thing. I was never going to be at a motor show
1: any other time other than the fact that Meatloaf and Blondie were playing. How how have I known you this long and not known that story?
0: Yeah, it was over at, um, where the fuck was it? I think it was actually set up in the, I want to say the Royal Docks, but I don't think it was in the Royal Docks actually, but it was one of those kind of temporary event things that was set up, but it was about, it was a car show. Um... And I went and saw Meatloaf. And Blondie. I'm sure, yeah, it was Meatloaf and Blondie. How Made played you? on separate days.
1: How old was I? This was I was in my how old was I? Probably yeah, late twenties, something like that. I never knew that about you. How have I known you for all this time and not known that? You
0: didn't I would have told you. I saw Meatloaf. Yeah and Blondie. Come on. I'm more impressed at Blondie. Oh, I've seen, I've seen Blondie a few times. So yeah, I know I that. I didn't now, know you saw but... them.
1: Okay, all right. Well.
0: Yeah. No, no, no. No, <laughs> incredible. Incredible. And this is where someone will Google and go, they did play, but like separate days or something. But in my mind... They both played like together and probably did a duet or something. And that, I'm making that bit up. And that's all that but, matters. <laughs> that's all that matters. But anyway, yes. So "Bat Out of Hell" is a song written by um, Jim Steinman uh, for the 1977 album "Bat Out of Hell," so it was obviously of the same name. Um, which was performed by Meatloaf. Uh, the song was released as a single in 1979, which we all know is the, the best greatest year, year ever. of music. Um, and then again in 1993 so when we were, we were at school and the, um what was I gonna say? But the album, and I didn't know this actually. The album was developed from a musical, Neverland, a futuristic rock version of Peter Pan, which Steinman wrote for a workshop in 1974. That's magnificent. <laughs> yeah, I know, no, but this is so in fact most of the songs on the album for Bat Out of Hell were written about Peter Pan and the Neverland story, but just like
1: kind of revamped. I never knew that.
0: Yeah. Um, The song was also inspired by those kind of teenage tragedy songs, you know, like Leader of the Pack Mm -hmm. and Tell Laura I Love Her type. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can definitely hear that with Leader of the Pack. Yeah, totally. The whole sort of motorcycle gang thing. Um, Anyway, the song sold, well, the album actually, 34 million worldwide. Um, And it's estimated that Bat Out of Hell still sells around 200,000 copies
1: per year. Um, 200,000 per year Yeah, yeah Who's left to buy it? (laughs) There's a lot of people (laughs) on the planet
0: (laughs) Um, But Bat Out of the Hell Bat bat Out of the Hell I can't even speak Bat Out of Hell um, The album spent 474 weeks On the UK album chart And became one of the top five um, All time best selling albums 400 weeks 474 weeks That's insane I know I'm trying to do the maths. That's
1: like eight years.
0: That's crazy. <laughs> it's absolutely mental. Cash isn't it? cow. Like a bite out of hell of a I just love the songs on the album. They're just so it, it it's it's like it is it is like a musical. It is like yeah. you know. What's what's that one with the plant?
1: Little shop of the, horrors.
0: Uh, Little shop of horrors, yeah. It's kind of a, a lot of the stuff just yeah, just <laughs> I've just, at home owner, that just
1: seen of, that, yeah. that was a brilliant um what well, imitation <laughs> you didn't. did of Audrey. <laughs> <laughs> the flower
2: <laughs> Yeah.
0: Uh thank you for that. I'll take that.
2: No worries. Um,
0: but Steinman, who um, basically wrote the song, trademarked the name Bat Out of Hell in 1995, and in 2006, Meatloaf sued him um, when Steinman wouldn't let him use the title for Bat Out of Hell 3. Really? Don't you, how the fuck... <laughs> I just think that's crazy. How could he have trademarked the name of an album Bat Out of Hell? I mean, but then also come on, why would you not let meatloaf use it? Like, I don't know. I just, I, this is the thing. I think people in the music industry, and you would think after you had success, you'd just be a little bit more carefree with these, mm-hmm. these things, but no, just so greedy. But anyway, other random facts about meatloaf. And this is, this is where it gets a little bit longer. I apologize, but I just, I just kept reading about him going, what?
1: There has no to be some way. absolute classics in here. Right.
0: Okay. Oddly enough, meatloaf is vegetarian. Fair enough. Yep, there you go. Uh, but I think you'll like this next fact given your one about um, birds and music and, and things like this. Right, okay, so um, a study at Sussex University in England found that his music was an excellent stimulant for plant growth. Really? Um, wolf, yeah. madness. <laughs> wolf, wolf flowers, busy lizzies, carrots, and mung beans were exposed to the Bat Out of Hell album for seven days during the study. Other plants were played a piano cons- concert- concerto, sorry, um, and did not grow as quickly as when they were serenaded by a Meatloaf. That's
1: got to be a hoax.
0: No, no, no. I, I thought that and then I actually looked into it it's not. The scientists who conducted the study believe that the extra energy cascading from the speakers blasting meatloaf may have encouraged the plants to grow more. Exactly. Right. May. May. Have, yeah, encouraged them to grow more. Um, but it's an actual study. But you know when you think, was it a study that was just looking at rock music in general or was it... Sp- and they happen to pick meatloaf or was it specifically meatloaf? But also how do you even think of such a study and get funding to to do, because that sounds pretty random, right? The
1: mind is boggled here. I'm truly like, I've heard a lot of great facts from you that make me question life and the universe, but that is one next level <laughs> one.
0: <laughs> but no, these, these facts start to get, More interesting. Oh, here we go. Okay. Yep, here we go. He claims the Secret Service hijacked his car on the day that John Kennedy was assassinated. Shut up. For what? Right. Okay, here we go. Meatloaf has given, of course, conflicting accounts of his whereabouts on November 22nd, 1963, when JFK was assassinated. One story in his autobiography even claims a frenzied Secret Service agent hijacked the singer's car in a mad rush to get to Parkland Memorial Hospital. Meatloaf has been known to embellish or fabricate stories before, so there's no way of knowing whether this is true or not.
1: I thought when you were starting that it was that he was a suspect in shooting him.
0: Well, it, that's what I thought when I bloody started reading it. I, thought, I was like, oh, that's amazing. That's one, yeah. But no, it, it basically just says that someone jumped in his car and said, take me to a hospital. Um, but whether that happened or not, we don't know. But did you know he once nearly pushed Prince Andrew into a moat? <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is great um, The singer famously took part In the shambolic 1987 Charity event It's a Royal Knockout Competing as part of the Duchesses of York's team Do you remember this?
1: I remember it vaguely yeah.
0: I vaguely remembered it And then I googled it And watched some of it And it's, it's, it's basically our royal family um, Dressed up in historical clothes Making dicks themselves But in a really cringy like
1: this this just needs to stop it was kind of like gladiators <laughs> without the level of fitness wasn't it
0: well yeah well it was it's a knockout mm. basically um but a royal it's, it was just yeah it looked terrible but anyway speaking to the guardian Meatloaf suggested that he and prince Andrew uh, say suggested right it's like the language in these things. It's like, well, either it happened or it didn't, which I mean he suggested. But anyway, yes. That he and Prince Andrew got into a spat over the prince's wife, who was then Sarah Ferguson, mm-hmm. so Fergie. Um, and Meatloaf said, Fergie wasn't exactly flirting with me, the singer said, but she was paying attention to me.
1: Of course
0: she was. This, <laughs> yeah, of course. She was. This reportedly resulted in the Duke of York attempting to push Meatloaf into a moat. Whether you believe that actually happened or not, is up to you. But it does sound like he likes to tell a story.
1: Tell a tale or two.
0: And here's another tale for you. I mentioned um his name earlier that he'd pop up and here we are. This is Charles Manson.
1: How did I know he was gonna be in this one?
0: <laughs> but this this is this is yeah, it's it's you know, I, I think, you know, maybe some of this stuff may have happened and then he like added like a sackload of bullshit into the story to exaggerate it. Meatloaf. But, um, yeah, meatloaf. Not Charles Manson here. No, 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 no. Well, we wouldn't know Charles Manson's dead.
1: Well, fair enough.
0: There we go. Anyway, he once gave Charles Manson a lift. Um, in his autobiography, To Hell and Back... meatloaf tells an extraordinary story about one of america's most infamous murderers allegedly the singer unknowingly picked up a hitchhiking charles manson after spotting him hovering around sunset boulevard according to the bow of hell singer manson instructed him to drive to dennis wilson's house where he insisted meatloaf could meet a beach boy there was no Beach Boy there, although it actually was Dennis Wilson's house. Meatloaf writes in his autobiography, recalling what happened when they arrived at Wilson's mansion, that Manson then offered to tell young Meatloaf his fortune, although he insisted that it you know, that none of it really mattered as the world
1: was soon to end. See I'm claiming truth on that one.
0: I don't know that he did fortune telling. Um Charles Manson you I are think quite I knowledgeable he, about him as well So maybe I should defer to you on uh, that one Well I don't know that he can, You know I've just suddenly got him A picture of him As dressed up as like Mystic Meg And uh, <laughs> those people From other countries Please google who Mystic Meg was She used to do like the horoscopes in A really trashy newspaper um Called I think it was The Sun. No, she was, was on in, TV, was wasn't in, she? She then went on to be on TV. It was either, it was either in The Sun or it was in one of the Sunday magazines or something like that that came with one of those tabloidy newspapers. Um, but yeah, I've just imagined him dressed up as her with a crystal ball and just, yeah. Um, I mean, the last fact is that Meatloaf... Uh, this is the last fact that I have for you, is that Meatloaf thinks that climate change is a hoax. Really? Yeah.
1: Now I'm disappointed. And he,
0: actually, he actually called out young Greta no. about it and said that she'd been brainwashed into believing all this stuff because it's clearly all a hoax. It's like, Meatloaf! Is he a
1: COVID denier?
0: Oh, my God. It wouldn't surprise me.
1: Well, now it wouldn't. Um.
0: Well, no, And no, I. No. Yeah, I just, uh, who knows what else he's, uh, um, he's in favour of or not in favour of. And, uh, you know, my world will be shattered, won't it?
1: Meatloaf. That young Angela who was so excited to see Meatloaf at a motor show. (laughs) (laughs) Devastated.
0: Oh, God. Well, anyway, that's, um, that was my my little uh, chat about, about Meatloaf. Ooh. Well, you know, we need, we need like, and Julia's in the room. I need her to like clap or something. I'm still not used to this whole kind of, um, there's no. She's living for the no praise, one, living
1: t- for the applause, well, <laughs> applause yeah, rather.
0: Well, yeah, I want applause. No, but it's just, I don't know. It's still it's weird doing it over Zoom, isn't it? Thank you, Paula. That You're might have just silent. gone off the
1: kind of the Richter scale thing on the old going into the too high part. <laughs>
0: It kind of just, to me, it looked like uh, you were just doing silent hand clapping, which I think is probably worse than a slow clap, isn't
1: it? Oh, mate. Maybe. (laughs) Maybe. Anyway, cracking on. I'm going to stick with the 1980s, but I'm going to hop back over... The pond to the UK and go to the other end of the decade because so I'd like to talk about Nana Cherry and Buffalo Stance, which is a brilliant song. So anyway, um Buffalo refers to a collective of people that were kind of pulled together by someone called Ray Petrie. It was a collection of models, creatives, musicians who all sort of worked quite collaboratively, lost my words there, and were loosely based in West London. So Naina Cherry, uh, someone called Cameron McVeigh, who went on to become her husband and sometimes producer, and his duo partner of the time, Jamie Morgan, were all very much involved in it. And they were people that, there was photographers involved, there were models, there were musicians. So it's quite a harmonious kind of collaborative sort of um, environment to be working in, which will make sense the further i go through this story. Um, at the time, Morgan and McVeigh, which were the duo, Uh, Were signed to Stock Aiken and Waterman And were just churning out releases I mean from what I've read about Cameron McVeigh He was known as being a pretty decent songwriter So he was just on that kind of Conveyor belt of late 80s Stock Aiken and Waterman Churn out tunes, churn out Mm -hmm. tunes But they were set to release a single called Looking Good Diving Which I've seen it And it's very of its time Let's say it's quite. (laughs) I don't know if you had the opportunity to look at it No, no. But it is pretty much a very kind of sort of standard Doc Aiken and Waterman, that kind of churn out the hits sort of production. Um, Okay. In the video, though, you see Nana Cherry dancing with a guitar. I mean, I'm going to say she's like miming, but who am I to judge? It just looks very much like it. I'll pop a copy of it in the show notes for this. You guys can check it out. Uh, It was released in 1986 with a B-side version that had been reworked by Tim Simeon of Bomb the Bass. Similar to Prince, uh, on When Doves Cry, he stripped out everything but the synths and the drum machine. It just left a lot of space for Cherry's rap and vocal lines. This was something that was actually suggested by McVeigh. So he wasn't precious about the song or whatever. was happy to put it out as the B-side under the title, Looking Good Diving with the Wild Bunch, which is a line that actually gets sung in Buffalo Stars. And what I didn't know is actually a reference to Massive Attack, who the Wild Bunch became. (gasps) <gasps> really? Yeah ah, I had no idea about that No I mean McVeigh just thought It'd be really fun To have a single That was rapping And then had like a A sung chorus And just got his girlfriend yeah. On board to do it But I think it was also Quite symptomatic Of the sort of Collaborative way That they that people were working During that time Yeah Within the track Buffalo Dance, You can hear her saying Bomb the bass Rock this place And that was something I'd picked up on like, As a kid and I knew who bombed the Bass were, but I didn't yeah. know that this guy, Tim, had worked on it. And she also says, yeah, Timmy, tell it like it is at one point as well. So it's like, I mean, you've heard the track. You know, it's quite a playful, yeah, yeah, yeah. fun, upbeat sort of a track. Yeah, yeah. They took their sweet time working on it. And after two years, uh, Naina Cherry eventually released it under her own name in November 1988. It spent 30 weeks on the charts, both here in the US, peaking at number three and Sparks like a huge amount of controversy when nana cherry appeared on top of the pops heavily pregnant i mean i'm shocked that in 1988 it would be shocking for someone to go on top of the pops pregnant and be like yeah here i am but i guess we've kind of grown up now in a a world where the spice girls have been out there pregnant working in the public eye serve all saints and this is kind of pre all of that so i think mentality must have been totally different
0: well, yeah, and it's absolutely shocking when you look back at it. But it's it's just at, at the time, I, I suppose. Well, we uh, I, I'm too young, I think, to have uh, really remembered any any kind of controversy around around that but i'm sure a lot of women probably
1: even thought it was shocking because we weren't used to mm.
0: seeing but it's not like the way that
1: we kind of were policing our own bodies and someone actually said to her is it safe for her to do it and she was like i'm pregnant not ill <laughs> i
0: mean certainly when i was running around um when i was Pregnant. I mean, I, I carried on working right up until the day I went in and had Beth. There were loads of comments, should I be doing that? Or, you, you know, it's like, well, I do know my own body if I need to sit down on a wheel, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also, um, when I started working and doing stuff with the band, people were just like, should Should you be leaving your your baby? I mean, obviously, this wasn't like the next day or anything like that. But it it's sort of like, if I was a bloke... It would be okay for me to go and play a gig
1: and leave. I think my question anything, would be but, like, yeah. even if it was the next day, if you're okay with that, and someone's taking care of your child, what is it? Anyone else's well, I business?
0: Had, I had a C-section, so there's no way I was well. going anywhere. day after is what I meant with that. <coughs> you know, I, I suppose what I'm trying to say is those sorts of questions are never put to men. Um, no, about the going back to work bit. Um, but anyway,
1: you were I mean, saying. I kind of even feel like if men are recovering from an illness, it's seen as such a, oh, look at him getting up on stage so soon after everything. Whereas with women, it's a very much a seen in a negative light. Yeah. Anyway, I think that action um, spoke volumes about what she thought this track was about. She said it's a track about female strength, female power and female attitude. While other journalists have described Buffalo Stance as remaining one of the best singles of the 1980s, with smart samples, swaggering production from bomb the bass, and not to mention fier- fiercely feminist lyrics that demand respect and assert independence, just, And I think that's yeah. a great way to sum up that track.
0: Absolutely, good job, good job. Thank you. I mean, love, love all the the collaboration stuff Me about too. that because I really wasn't aware that that you know, you know when you just hear a song and you just you sort of not gloss over the lyrics, but you mm. don't really think about. Why they're there, who worked on a track. And um, where and it came from. Like, yeah, exactly where that, it came
1: her, from. That her partner was just like, take this track, you two go away and rip it apart. It's cool. It's really cool. Totally cool. Right. right. what's up next, Miss Amar?
0: I think we're going to play some new music. We were emailed um, The Death of Dreamland by CrossWires. So, should Ooh. we Should we have a listen to that? And then you to have a little chat about it after. Go on then, give it a spin. This is crosswise with the death of dreamland.
2: didn't see.
1: Crosswise with the Death of Dreamlands. Um, I really like that track. I really like the sort of the way there's just a quite gaps within it almost. There's loud, there's quiet. And I don't know if you're aware, but they actually did this as part of a two track recording process that they recorded from a live streamed gig.
0: I did. I did know that, actually. And I was I, really impressed with the quality of this.
1: Not just the quality, but it's really inventive as well, isn't it? I mean, I understand during like lockdown and pandemics, people have had to get a little bit more creative, but I think it's quite brave to take the tracks that you've played live as a band. And I mean, I'm fairly sure they've re-recorded the vocals because I think that would have been quite hard to get right hats off to them if they didn't. But to take the tracks as you've played them live and then mix them down into singles is quite ballsy.
0: Well, yeah, especially because it doesn't sound... I mean, there are elements that sounds like a live track, but it does sound of decent quality to be a produced single, which is exactly what it is. Yeah, and I don't think
1: those elements take away from the track at all. I think they make it better.
0: I'm just always really dead impressed with Crosswire's kind of output. There isn't a single track
1: that, that, that
0: they've put out that I thought was, oh, could be better or anything like that. And I think they, they, they kind of keep switching things up and are quite inventive mm. with how they they do things. And um, yeah, I think I just... I. You know, I think they're going to be huge. I don't know why they're already huge, to be honest, because I just love their lyrics. I love the structures. I love the kind of, um, the concepts that they kind of explore. And it's just, it's just brilliant. And, and, um, I I didn't realise, I think some of the members are actually from Romford. Really? Yeah, I think so. I'm sure I read that somewhere. Um, yeah, Crosswise, if you can clarify,
1: we'll love yeah, you, you forever. Yeah, are you from
0: Romford? Do you know the place called Hollywood? <laughs> not Hollywood in America. There? It was a club in in Romford. <laughs>
1: um, let's not go to yeah, Hollywood.
0: Let's, let's not let's not go to that Hollywood. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, on with the show. We're talking about songs uh, about about animals. No, with animals in the title. Including birds. Including birds. Taking <laughs> taking animal
1: traits and absorbing them into human experiences. So go on then Angela. I think you've got another eighties classic for us, haven't you?
0: I've got a couple of we're gonna end on these two, and I promise you they're not they're not long, but hopefully you're a fan of the show and you like listen to it for facts, which is you know, it shouldn't matter if it's long or not. But um right, okay. Would you like? Tell me which one you want me to go first with. Who, what do you want to hear first? "Hungry Like a Wolf" by Duran Duran, or "I've the Tiger" by Survivor.
2: You said "I've like the
0: Tiger,", like the tiger. <laughs> and you're saying wolf. Well, I asked yeah. Paula, Julia. I didn't ask I you. I'm the room, and sir. she's leaving the room. It's she
2: wins
0: there. <laughs> Julia said she's going to come back and do another podcast show at some point. Yay! Mm. Yay. Who are you going to talk Mm. about? Do you know yet, Julia? I'd
1: like to talk about Michelle
0: Gondry. I can't say that a bit, Ladder? Let's
1: talk about
2: Michelle Gondry.
0: Michelle Gondry. Mmm. Nice one. Bit of video.
2: Immediately Googles who that is. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Right, Okay. so Hungry Like a Wolf. Okay. all right. So Hungry Like a Wolf was written and recorded... On a Saturday in the spring of 1982 at the basement studios of EMI's London headquarters. The just song... one day. Uh Huh? Just one day. Well, I let you know the song was built Ooh. throughout the day as each band member arrived and by the evening it was essentially complete. I'm always blown away with stories like this where it's like they just wrote a song in a day.
1: That's, that's really good. I mean they beat Prince Oh no Prince wrote His in one day
0: Yeah he wrote His in one day And uh, what was it Christmas song What's her face Maura Kerry. All I Want For Christmas Is You Is uh, apparently that was written In 15 minutes Which I think is a lie
1: I think they're all lying. They're trying to make us feel bad, aren't you? I think they are as well.
0: I think someone's pulled out their teenage notebook for this one and gone, yep, I've got some lyrics I just wrote in the car on the way in. Lies, it's all lies. Anyway, um, the track came from fiddling with sort of new technology that was starting to come in around around that time. Um, And this refers to the kind of rhythmic backing track that came up by sort of joining together our favourite, the Roland... 808 drum machine nice with a sequencer which was the roland um jupiter 8 keyboard um so yeah so quite sort of fun to, you know i can't i can't imagine there being a new a new gadget that's it's as exciting as a drum machine and and like a a synthesizer, like a keyboard, like being able to combine those things for the first time. Like we're so used to having mm-hmm. synths and plugins for software and yeah. stuff like that. Like something so new coming and out, so game gets... changing. Exactly, exactly. I can't, I just can't imagine what that could possibly possibly be. But, um, but yeah, it must be such an exciting time to make music. Um, but did you know the lyrics were inspired by uh, Little Red Riding Hood? No. So another song that took a kind of childhood kind of fairy tale. So We had Peter Pan with Meatloaf, and now Little Red Riding Hood with Duran Duran. Yeah. Never
1: so, heard that. Yeah.
0: So this was actually a really landmark single for the band, and it was their breakthrough hit in the in the US. And its success originated from MTV, which had only just come on air. And in a pilot format. So again, like 1982, like a fantastic year for not only kind of technology really coming into more sort of popular music and people experimenting Mm -hmm. on how they could they could use that, but also you know new ways of getting music out there. And then obviously you had like video killed the radio star and Mm -hmm. the the worry of radio going, oh no! But if there's this like visual music program that's on all the time, will it kill radio? I mean, it didn't kill radio, but MTV. i have dated
1: MTV so much later than that. No. no, no. I suppose well, I'm thinking about when it became popular.
0: Well, yeah, but this was the pilot and it started mm. in the US, if you, if you remember, not that you would remember in 1982. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, you know, such an incredible thing that there's this technology and in and new ways, so I suppose we had a similar thing with, um, with the streaming platforms, but, that that's been more of a sort of like gradual growth area, hasn't mm-hmm. it? Really, streaming's been around for a really long time, um, with like Pandora, Last FM, and then more and more platforms come come about. But yeah, music TV, MTV was huge, and it was it was something that that really um, broke helped break Duran, Duran in in the US and it was with their their music video for the song which was the band in sort of a in a sort of Sri Lankan jungle
1: and it's all a sort of apocalyptic type thing. I, now you're talking about it. I know what you what you mean.
0: It's I mean it's, it's a video totally of its time. Yeah. But classic. But exactly classic and people weren't making videos like that. So it was it was really extraordinary and enough so that um the, they got a Grammy Award for Best Short Form Video in 1984 cool. for that one. It's good. Wow. I think that's that's quite that's quite impressive. Yeah. Really, really big um really big thing for, for a band. Um gosh, I'm struggling with words again. We need to start doing this during the day. I really find it hard to speak at night. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, so where did the band get their name from, Paula? Have a guess.
1: Duran Duran.
0: Think, think. The first one was was a TV show. Was this a TV show or a film? And if so, this which was one? A,
1: this was a film that was French.
0: They are named after the bad guy in the 1967 Jane Fonda movie, Barbarella.
1: Was he French? no. Give me the crumbs. Tell me he was French.
0: <laughs> Don't think so. I will have to Google that. Don't think so. Um, anyway, uh, Princess Diana said soon after her royal wedding that Duran Duran were her favourite band. Wow. Yeah. And she and uh, Simon Le bon from the band went to the same gym. Ooh. Obviously not when they were starting out as a band. Much later to afford Obviously. a gym like that. Um, although I, I once went to the same gym as Prince Harry.
1: Well, that's a claim to fame and a badge of honor, right there.
0: Well, there you go. I was only there because I was using. They had like an altitude training chamber when I was doing that Kilimanjaro. I thought
1: thing. you were going to say I was only there because I was using the loo. <laughs>
0: Fucking expensive, really expensive gym um, Anyway, uh, yeah, so after the, the training for that climb uh, Yeah, I soon sort of cancelled um, Anyway, um, when Simon LeBon was six Did you know that he starred as the little boy With an off-white t-shirt in a personal washing powder advert?
1: Oh, I thought he was a Milky Way kid Oh, or a Milky Bar was kid. He? Was he? I mean, he don't quote been. me on that. Ma- maybe he was that's the what... kid
0: in every 80s children's TV-, TV program, ad, Advert starring children, maybe. But that, I don't that's... know why I
1: had in my head he was a Milky Bar kid. But that's all I've got for Dran, Dran. Quite, Do
0: you that's, think that's all what... you got? That's, that's, that's what I've got as uh, a around and about Hungry Like a Wolf. Um, and what I'll take I...
1: away from that is Duran are Duran named after the baddie in Barbarella.
0: Exactly. And go watch the film. Good pub quiz knowledge. Good pub quiz knowledge, after all. Uh we'll be going to, to loads of pub quizzes. We need you know what? A belated night out for Kerry for her birthday. Yeah. Please can we take her to a pub quiz? Yeah. Although definitely. that is quite mean because she hates quizzes. Does she? <laughs> she... What's wrong with her?
1: Quizzes <laughs> are brilliant. I've
0: told you this before. <laughs> I think you'd be terrible
1: in a pub quiz, Paula, because your memory <laughs> depends. It depends. It depends. It depends. All right then, should we go for Julia's vote? Eye of the tiger. Eye of the fricking tiger. Eye, eye, eye,
0: eye. <laughs> See eye. what I did there? Yes. <laughs> Survivor. Um,
1: Do you get Survivor and Foreigner confused, or is that just me? <laughs> it's just you. I. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> no you know the band foreigner <laughs>
0: yeah oh that you think you'd... sorry i just thought you meant in general like the words foreigner and survivor no. i was about to say oh yes he was a survivor and someone's just going to take that as and, right and interchange but, it with yeah. foreigner no i mean the bands. <laughs> um no still no <laughs> no still no still no on that one anyway i have the tiger is a song by american rock band survivor did you know that I did know that you didn't know that. well done, Paula. did you one know point. <laughs> did you know it was released as a single from their third album of the same name?
1: I did know that,
0: and also the theme song for nineteen eighty two film Rocky Rocky
1: three I did know that. do you know what was gonna be the original song I for that? did,
0: and that's gonna is be that on your paper that is, that's <laughs> one of my only facts is <laughs> yeah, I thought there there was lots um about, when I say lots about Survivor, there was lots of facts, but not really facts or anything that interesting, Mm. um, which I thought there would be something amusing, but there wasn't. But anyway, the song was written by Survivor guitarist Frankie Sullivan and keyboardist Jim Petterick. And it was recorded at the request of Rocky 3 star writer and director Sylvester Stallone. After Queen... Denied him permission to use another one bites the dust.
1: Why didn't you ask me that as one of the quiz questions? I knew that answer. And
0: well, it was one of my own new facts, but yes, another one bites the dust. Yeah, but I mean, to be honest, I think I do think you know, I of the tiger was 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 the. I mean, I love another one bites the dust, but I think I of the tiger was was the one. It was fate that that, one. that that happened. Yeah.
1: Didn't it keep the band together as well? Because I think one of them was really struggling for cash. And the others were all kind of competent, more competent musicians that could go out and get session work. And without this song making it, they were kind of on the verge of breaking up. That might have been something I read on a gossip site though, so don't take it as... Well, Crystal.
0: I think that's probably a better fact than than what I've got. Oh, here. sorry, if you're not. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm. So, no, no, no. I've got. I've got a couple. A couple more things, but um, I think that's probably a much more interesting fact than my last couple of uh, facts. Um, did you know that Katy Perry invoked the eye of the tiger on her 2013 number one hit, um, Raw? What do you mean? Well, she sings. She sings. She basically took some lyrics from "Eye of the Tiger" and put it in a song. She, but she says things. She said, "I got the eye of the tiger, a fighter," and then she goes on. Um, and then I read, I read there that, um, that in this in this sort of article, it was like insinuating that Survivor should have sued her, and it was like, but the band never did. It's like, yeah, but what? Why would? Why would they? Because she says, I have the t-. unless she's actually ripped off the song and it sounds like Eye of the Tiger, I don't think you can sue someone for just using Eye of the Tiger. Or unless
1: you're Meatloaf's manager and you're trademarked but Out of Hell.
0: <laughs> Trademark the word,
1: the. Eye <laughs> <have> of the Tiger. <laughs> trademarked. <laughs>
0: uh, Survivor is one of the few bands to rack up hits with two different lead singers.
1: Did you know? No, I did not.
0: The early hits, including Eye of the Tiger, were sung by original lead vocalist Dave Bickler. When Bickler had throat surgery in 1983, he was unable to sing. So the band dumped him and filled the spot with um, Jimmy Jameson, who sang on his later hits, including High On You and Search Is Over. And was that on a permanent basis? Or just while he was recovering? Yes, but, the, but then in 2013, the band began touring with both Jameson and Bickler. But in 2014, Jameson died of a heart attack at aged 63. Oh. I don't know any other um, Survivor songs.
1: I don't think I, I don't either, but I think they're like Foreigner and you think you don't know their songs until you hear them and then you're like, oh yeah, But then, one.
0: But then you go, oh no, it's not Survivor, it's Foreigner. <laughs>
1: That's what I mean. I'll get them confused. I'm not gonna I'm holding my hands up as you can see on camera.
0: Well that's well that that's it. I think you know, I think I did well with with keeping them to on point without rambling off too much on that. Well done. Um but yeah, that's that's it. Almost the end of the show. I was forgetting we've got another Um, new song, it's the last one of the show, so we'll do some housekeeping before I, I get on with that, so if you've got a story or a theme that you think we should do as the show or some new music that you want us to check out um drop us an email at rock at gmail.com or you can find us on twitter at Eye band facebook and instagram as Eye music we also have a patreon site choose is patreon.com slash where all the cool kids hang out um with we upload lots of new music um, that we're working on so people get to hear it there first um, and also get to say on singles that we put out uh, there's exclusive merchandise there's exclusive behind the scenes podcasts there's all sorts of stuff on there so come and check that out paula you look like you wanted to put your hand up and say something.
1: You know, yeah, I was about to say with the new music, it doesn't necessarily need to be yours. If your mates are in a band that you think are absolutely rocking, your girlfriend's singing, playing guitar, send it all over to us. Just check it out with them. They're cool for us to play it before you do so. Pretty, please.
0: Yeah. So do it, do it, do it. Or do it. I want to know, because there's just, there's just some interesting stories. Um, I read the other day, and this is such a non-fact actually because I can't remember what the band's name was but um the lead singer from Dream Nails her mum was in a band and the Guardian did this article bit and mentioned this band and and talked about I can't remember this such a pointless thing for me to mention if I can't remember the facts but the point is has any of your parents ever been in a band and if so I want to hear about them I want to hear about it you know, I don't care if they were famous or not. Just uh, some crazy stories, I think, would be good. Make them up. Meatloaf would. <laughs> be more meatloaf. <laughs> don't. Climate change is a real thing. Be more Greta. <laughs> yes. Channel Greta
1: in that, in that vein. Channel Greta. Yeah. <gasps> All right, then, Angela, what's the last track we've got to play tonight? Right,
0: so last track, um do, 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 do. Blue Statue are a band that we've recently discovered and they emailed us their tracks, so to speak. Uh, So Blue Statue, as you'll hear in a minute, are an alternative indie post-punk band based in North London. So another Londoners. Hello. Hello. Although I'm in Croydon. Is that London or is it Surrey? Who knows The argument continues um, Anyway So the band's consisting of Brothers Hayden and Aaron uh, They put together some fantastic tracks They've been featured on the likes of Steve Lamax BBC Six Music Recommends Nice um, So yeah Really Really An interesting band It'd be good to, It'd be good to know what people think of this This track I mean I certainly quite Quite like it I thought it was quite refreshing So I won't bang on about it for too long But check them out on all of their social media stream their stuff, buy it, do all of those those things and help support new music. So without further ado, this is Blue Statue with So To Speak. Over and out.